Cue the song. Hello there, ladies and gents. Welcome to 1,000 Greatest Misses, the music podcast that shines a light on 1,000 undiscovered, obscure, and underappreciated songs that hit all the marks but fail to chart. On today's episode, we'll highlight songs by Tim Fian, Riot, The Armory Show, Blind Date, and Tracker. Find us at 1000greatestmisses.buzzsprout.com or your podcast app of choice. I'm Paul Hines, along with Christopher Gray, the music-obsessed record store guy with way too many songs stuck in his head. Hiya, Chris. Believe it or not, as busy as we are, I'm a little lonely, Paul. I think that it would be really, really nice some way, somehow, to meet some of the 1000 Greatest Misses faithful. Got any ideas? What do you have brewing? So what if, riddle me this, follow me along this track, what if we created a Zoom cocktail party to get better introduced to fellow victims of vinyl obsession and fellow fans of 1000 Greatest Misses? Will this be sort of a support group? Hi, my name is Paul Hines, and I'm a victim of vinyl obsession? Believe me, that has crossed my mind many, many times. <laughs> and Intervention. I would, and, and I would love to think that it was, but I'm just wondering, like, what do you think the over-under would be? You know how many listeners we have, you know how many downloads and streams and all that other stuff. What do you think yeah. the over-under is on how many people we could get in one Zoom meeting to talk about, listen to, and discuss music of this genre have some camaraderie, some jocularity, and a couple of cocktails. What do you think the over-under is? I think that if we give people enough heads up... Like three or four years? I don't think everyone listens to the most current episode all the time. I think it's sort of staggered. So if we put it out a few months, I bet you we could get maybe a dozen people or so. So 12 is the over-under number. I'm going to have faith. I'm going to have faith in the faithful. And I think that 12 is a really good number. If we could do 12, that would be manageable, but I'm going to take the over. I'm going to take the over that we can get more than 12 people, including us. No, then it's four. Then it's 14, 14, 14. Okay. So total of 14. Okay. I'm still going to take the over. Okay. Because this way, if I take the over and I win, I'm excited and if I yeah. if we don't hit that, I'm not sad because even if it's just you and me talking about music, I'm still having a good time. <laughs> so it's a win-win. Yeah. And sometimes it does feel that way, doesn't it? <laughs> so we don't know when, we don't know exactly how it's going to play out, but we will give you plenty of notice. We'll put it on as a bumper so that no matter which show you're listening to, you'll hear the invitation to it. You'll send us an email. We'll email you back with a link to the show. It'll be a certain time. You'll be able to log in from your computer, from your cell phone, and we'll see if we can get more than 12 1,000 Greatest Misses listeners in a chat room all at the same time. I think that would be cool. Excellent. I'm in. Cool. Well, let's start today's episode in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, with a guy named Tim Feehan, that's F-E-E-H-A-N, and his song, Somebody Else's Moment. From my point of view, it looks as though everything's changed. The world outside my window now Just don't look the same And I swear the sky's a different shade of blue Now here I am with you And everything 
From his fourth album, Full Contact, that was Somebody Else's Moment by Tim Feehan from 1990, a little later in the era that we're covering, from Canada. How'd you hear about this guy? So Tim Feehan has done a bunch of soundtrack work. He was actually on that Wraith soundtrack that we previously featured along with that Stan Bush song. And this was just an album that I picked up. It's got the look. It's from 1990. It sounds a little bit more like mid-80s. And it's AOR. I mean, this is just really well-produced, really well-written. He's definitely not in a hurry to get to the chorus. Uh, It doesn't hit until that, like, 108 mark. But when it does, I really think it's worth the wait. I think it's a really good, strong chorus and a really good, strong hook. The song does a clever key change. They start in E. And the chorus continues, and it sounds good. But then at the end of the chorus, we're in G still, and it goes back to for the verse. And it, it provides a lift for the chorus because you've changed keys, and it also introduces the second verse, and it sounds new and fresh and exciting because it's changed keys back to the original E. It works really well. The lyrics are really, are really wretched. I love the line, everything seems so clear. And I was thinking... If it's clear, it shouldn't seem clear. It should be clear. Like, how how clear is it out today? It seems pretty clear. But look, it's a great 80s production. It sounds really good. The singer reminded me about uh, kind of John Waite-esque. It's a solid tune. Yeah, and the somebody else's moment is kind of cool. I like the concept of thinking about your life like, oh my gosh, this is somebody else's moment. How am I? I'm so lucky to be in this spot. Yeah, and I've pinch had a, me kind of thing. Yeah, I've had a couple moments like that lately. And... um it's kind of cool to be able to think about songs meaning something. And I, I write plenty of songs that are just, you know, go out, have fun, whatever. But the concept of thinking about living somebody a life in somebody else's moment is is horrible. You want to make sure that it's your moment. You want to take take hold of it. And so I think that part of it is really, really cool. Uh, great yeah. idea in that respect. And this record is filled with really top names like um, Timothy B. Schmidt from the Eagles is on this. Steve Lukather from Toto. Richard Marks and Randy Jackson are credited on the album. It, it shows. It's it's well well done. Yeah, really well done. The coming around coming out that late in ninety. Again, missing that 80s mark where this stuff was a lot more popular. Probably not a lot of people heard this, but I think it's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, and he he was around for a while before that. Had he had any success with his first three albums? 
I don't think he had success with any of them necessarily. I mean, getting a, well, think about that. Getting a couple of songs on a soundtrack LP is kind of success to me. That's pretty big. Yeah. 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 Oh, um, right. Absolutely. And then he was in a band before he went solo called Footloose, and I had never heard of them, thanks to Bobby for figuring that out. And I looked up the record. It's just two sneakers on the cover that are untied, and it's called Footloose. And so now that is on my Discogs want list to look for that and hear that, to be able to hear what Tim Fian was doing uh, before he went solo. Excellent. This one can be found streaming. I suspect this album is is doable, cost wise. Six dollars, and um, yeah, I think if you like, you know, bands like Journey and that type of thing, or John Waite, I think you'd like this. I think you'd like the whole thing. Yeah. Okay. Next, we go to New York City from thirteen years earlier, nineteen seventy seven. The band Riot. I'm sure many of our listeners know this band and their song. This is what I get. Their debut album, Rock City, released in 1977, that was Riot with This Is What I Get. They'd go on to release a boatload of albums through the 80s, 90s, and all the way up to 2018 so far. Yeah, I counted something like 20 releases. Yeah, <laughs> serious output. 
Yeah, it's crazy. But this, I think this record from 77 kind of predates like the pop metal thing. So Riot is probably best known for their song Swords and Tequila, which is a little bit more of a hard rock song. And this predates that. And I love it when metal bands kind of show their pop sensibilities. This whole record has great songs, great harmonies. And there are a couple of tracks from this record that I could have picked. The other real standout is a song called Tokyo Rose. And either one of them would have been a great choice. Again, they take the hard rock of Deep Purple and Sabbath and Rainbow, not Sabbath so much, but Rainbow, and they bring in a little April wine and it's something new and different. It actually predates a lot of that pop metal stuff. I mean, isn't this what Kiss was doing at the same time? Well, I, you know, Bobby put that in the notes. He said, heavy power pop metal, a more musical Kiss with better song structure. And I highlighted that because that never crossed my mind. But you know what? Absolutely. That's exactly what they were doing. They were doing. Because I always thought, look, I'm not a Kiss guy. I found Kiss just to be kind of a joke bubblegum rock band. And this to me sounds like a bubblegum pop song. It's just with a little bit of edge to it. Yeah, I guess maybe that's why I like it. So in 77, you didn't have that. You had everything that led up to that. But this was new. It was different. I love the fact that they do that great opening riff. I love that backward flange that they do on the second part of the chorus. That, to me, is a cool little studio trick. I think it's like a reverse reverb on it. Yeah, um, okay. I, I don't I don't like it. I, I think it, I mean, I guess it sounded really cool at the time, and I'm not dissing them for it. But to me, it kind of was distracting. They add, then they did add a really a forward flange for the second half of the chorus. Lots of cowbell in the verse. Oh, my. Lots of cowbell. Plenty of cowbell. That's exactly right. <laughs> Look, it probably sounded really good in 77. It's a very catchy melody, a good hook in the chorus. Um, it's a good song. It's, it's something I probably would have liked when I was 12. Well, that's about right. My mentality is that of a 12-year-old <laughs> right now, so that that certainly fits. But I think that it kind of harkens back to like bands like Thin Lizzy that could be really heavy and really melodic, and sometimes they would just be really poppy. And so that, to me, is what what I'm picking up on in this, is just the good pop sensibilities of a good pop song, but it's a little bit heavier, a little bit more rocking, and part of an overall bigger picture that's a little bit heavier and hard rocking as well. Yeah, and clearly it worked. I mean, they've got a lot of output. They must have a lot of fans. A lot of fans, maybe, but I mean, not a lot of success. I don't, I, I can't, I mean, I don't think Riot is a household name by any stretch of the imagination. But if you, like, if you could define your future or maybe your past, if you had the perfect thing, I remember telling somebody this, I would have loved to have had like one minor hit in 1992. And that alone was enough to have a following of, say, you could play any city with like 500 people showing up. Wouldn't that be perfect? Like, can you name a, an example of that band? Like Mark t- Mark Cohen. Oh, okay. He had the little hit in 1991, and now he plays at City Winery in front of a very well-attended and well-behaved audience. It's fucking great. But he's wickedly talented, too. I no, mean, he's he seriously talented. Oh, I'm not dissing yeah. Mark at all. I like him a lot. Yeah. I'm saying how cool to be in that position where you're not yeah. a household name. You can still okay. walk down the street. You're not yeah. heavily into cocaine because you're on the road constantly. You're just a guy with a hit and you get to keep playing or Graham Parker or, or any of those guys. But I think in the hard rock world, that's a lot harder because then now you're looking at Anvil or Y&T that are still strapping on the leather pants <laughs> at 65 and trying to make and trying to sell that. And yeah, I mean, that's a different I know story. I, I talked about it a little bit last show, but that Marvelous 3 show, these guys are all in their 50s. But they they just had so much fun and they made it so much fun to see. That's that's what I look for. Yeah. 
This one is streaming as are, I think maybe all of their albums or most of them. Yeah. It looked like they had quite a, quite a commendum compendium on there. What about cost? Uh, $8 discogs. No kidding. I thought maybe yeah. the day, the debut would be more expensive than that. I'm telling you, man, prices are coming down. I don't, yeah. I, I don't want to be the naysayer of the vinyl comeback <laughs> or the return of vinyl, but uh, we're starting to see with some of the other areas where people can sell records, we're starting to see some of the prices come down. So okay. it's a great time to be a fan. Stock up. Now we go across the pond to Scotland with the band The Armory Show and their song, We Can Be Brave Again. LP from Scotland, you, which you might have been able to guess just by listening to the lead vocalist. That was the Armory Show and their song, We Can Be Brave Again, from 1985, from their album, Waiting for the Floods. How the heck did you hear about this one? Well, I love Happy Accident. So right around that same time in 1985, there was a metal band called Surgeon, S-U-R-G-I-N. And I went to the good old record store and I bought the Surgeon record and I brought it home and did my trick to open the shrink without ripping a fingernail or the jacket and put the record on the turntable and heard this. And I'm like, wait, what 
And the Armory Show record had been mistakenly put into the surgeon's sleeve no at the way. record company. So I, I immediately took that record back and got my surgeon record. But then a couple of years later, I found the Armory Show record in a used bin and picked it up. And this is when I was more into alternative rock. And so this, to me, has a more Red Rockers feel, almost like a little bit of a U2 feel, way different from a lot of the stuff that we cover here. Uh, but it's 85. This is at eight, in 85 at the exact same time, like a lot of that power pop and punk and AOR stuff that we talk about came out. But this is completely different. Yeah, this is more of its time, though, than punk rock in 1985. As far as what was on popular radio, sure, yeah, yeah, but not necessarily yeah. what was out there. Like they were, In 85, you were still getting plenty of that knack-influenced power pop. You were still getting plenty of AOR, plenty of punk rock. Oh, definitely AOR, this is yeah. Yeah. A complete, you know, departure from that. And I just love the way this record sounds. Kind of like the Rave Ups a couple of shows ago. Different from what we're talking about, still based in a po- great pop song and a great melody. Is there banging going on behind you? There's a fucking circus. Heel- There's an actual he- circus going high on heels? upstairs right now. High heels on a hardwood floor. <laughs> oh, that's that's going to be the title of my next record, High Heels on a Hardwood Floor. <laughs> Write Can't it down now, quickly. Yeah, I'm on it. Hey, Kevin, I got the title for our next song. I like it. <laughs> Look, it's the a big, good the big flashing red light that says recording is of no consequence <laughs> to anybody else in this household. Nobody cares. There are zero shits given. <laughs> the low production value of 1,000 <sighs> greatest misses. Yeah, please make sure all that winds up in the show. I'm going to. Mm-hmm. It's a good tune. I. It's a really good bass sound. The over drum, overdubbed drums, I think those are... Either Roto Toms, highly produced, or maybe they're synthetic. I couldn't tell, but really all over the place, maybe a tad too much. Really good chorus. It changes key. I like it. Multiple voices joining in, sort of a rousing call to action type vibe. It kind of fills you with emotion. I love the We Can Be Brave Again line. I think that's a great hook. Yeah. It's a great message. I will always look for those songs that you can just encourage and inspire and encourage you to drop the top, turn up the radio. This is definitely one of those songs for me. And this is with their only LP, only release that they ever did. Yeah, go figure. This one is not streaming, unsurprisingly, I guess. Womp, womp. You'll have to spend $6 on it uh, via Discogs to go out and try and find it. All right. Back to the United States in San Francisco from 1979. This next song is Boys Will Be Boys by Blind Date.
from their 79 self-titled album, that was Boys Will Be Boys by Blind Date. So I passed over this record a couple of times in the used bins because of the cover. I just thought it was a disco record, and I, I passed it a handful of times. And then one day I picked it up and actually looked at the back, and I was in because they looked like they were rockers. They looked like they were a power pop band, picked it up uh, for a dollar, and love it. It's a great little rock record. It's a nice chord progression. It's not your typical one, four, five. They go B to D to G to E. So it's one flat three, flat six, four. Not your ordinary chord progression. It works. And then in the chorus, they go to D, F sharp minor to G. And I really like the backup vocals during this section. The chorus makes the tune. I think the verse is okay. Um, but you have this one note harmony and somehow it works really nicely. This, uh, the, the guy in the bottom is just going D, 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 just staying put, not trying to do thirds or anything. And then they go. So the guy on top stays on G the whole time. I kind of like that. Like, I don't know if I've done harmonies on my songs where the second note just stays the same. But it works really well here. Interesting. Yeah. The 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 other thing that I thought of too is that they only did this one record. And to the best of our knowledge, like nobody ever went on to do anything else. And this was on Wind Song, so it was a offshoot of a major label. Came out in 1979, was right at that point where the knack was about to hit and all that other stuff was going on. I thought this was right up there from a songwriting perspective and a playing perspective. It should have had, you know, could have been as popular as those. But the interesting thing about this is it was produced by Jeff Glicksman and he produced Paul Stanley's solo record. So I know you're not a big Kiss fan, but in 1980, I believe, all the members of KISS, in order to keep the band together, did solo albums. Yeah, I remember the, they each had their big face plastered on, on the albums. I remember them at Kmart and other stores. Exactly right. And Paul Stanley's is probably one of my top 50 Desert Island discs. I know that's that record backwards and forwards. Love it. And Glicksman produced that. So I can hear that that he knew what he was doing. He produced Stanley's record as well. Um, so it sounds, the record sounds good. I, I, I mean, for six bucks is what you're going to pay when you find this out there. This is a great record. Pick it up. Giddy up. And you have to pick it up because it's not streaming. Not streaming. We need a little, uh, a little, uh, musical coda for the songs that are not streaming. That <laughs> sings wah, not wah. streaming. Yeah, exactly. For our last song, we go to Los Angeles with the band Tracker and their song, Stepping Over the Line.
From 1982, that was Tracker with their song Steppin' Over the Line from their self-titled release. Is this correct? The band members in this band were basically Steve Miller's band? When you say, is this correct, are you questioning Bobby Bloom? Is that what's happening right now? Or are we questioning? <laughs> I, was, I guess I was hoping like you were like, oh, yeah, everyone knows that. Oh, no, I did not know that. This was new to me. <laughs> you know, in fact, so it's pretty funny. The way these shows come together is one of two ways. Either I have a song that's like stuck in my head that I go seek out in my shelf and I pull it down and I say, I want to include this on the next show. That's sometimes it happens that way. Most of the time it happens that way. Sometimes I'll be going through records and I'll see a record that I think, oh yeah, there's got to be something good on that that I want to share. So I'll pull that record out. And that's what happened with this tracker record. I pulled it out, threw it on the turntable, listened to the needle drops of all the songs. I was like, huh, I thought I remembered that album being better. So then I did a little bit more, did a little bit more. And then I remembered this one, you know, this stepping out over the line, good song, decent, you know, pop rock, new wavy kind of song. But then I looked at the cover of the record and I realized that the lead singer is wearing a shirt, the exact same shirt that I got from Merry Go Round and wore in a battle of the bands. <laughs> So me and this guy from Tracker from LA had the same shirt on. And I was like, oh, I got now we, we have to talk about this. So yeah, this is um, a little bit more information than many of you probably needed. But yes, this was not um, an immediate thing that I knew the song. I just, I, I remembered the band. I thought they were kind of cool. I had some good stuff. And this was the, the standout on this record. Well, I'll say this. I was doing yard work today, trying to get uh, everything cut down and put into lawn bags. And this song was in my head. Despite not loving it, like I like it. I think it's a good song, but I didn't love it. And it was it just stayed with me. It's a good earworm. Yeah, I like the background vocals. They move the song along. It's it's not so in your face. It's not it's nothing that's going to challenge you, but it's just a you know, a good song from eighty two. The yeah, 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 that's Robin Zander, isn't it? Totally, a hundred percent. Totally. Yeah. Look, I, what I like most about the tune is the interplay between the guitar and the keys. Mm -hmm. The keys do a great job of being part of the groove without drawing attention to themselves. During the verse, it sounds almost like a calliope organ sound. On the right speaker, you'll hear it, but it's not overpowering it. And it somehow it, it uh, is like a good counterpoint to what the guitar is doing. And then in the chorus, he changes to a synth, he or she. A synth type tone, uh, but it's very back in the mix. I, it's a keyboard part that I respect and appreciate. Good short guitar solo, a nice short bridge that ends with that uh, Robin Zander, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's very catchy. Uh, I wish the chorus wasn't so repetitive. I wish they had thrown something else in there instead of just saying the same thing four times. That's If they had done more than that, I might have elevated this in my, in my mind. Uh, as it is, it's just a solid tune. Yeah. They can't all be tens, by my friend. Yeah, I'd put this at about a six, I guess. Fair enough. You know how sometimes when you buy a record from the 80s and the inner sleeve has pictures of other records to promote them on the sleeve? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so to your earlier point, this has that. And look, look, look listen to all the bands that are on the sleeve right next to each other. So you've got The Cars, The Doors, Eddie Rabbit, Urban Cowboy, Carly Simon, Grover Washington, Queen, Heavy Metal Soundtrack, Linda Ronstadt, Jackson Brown, The Eagles, and Bread, and Harry Chapin. I mean, Damn, so like, that's like good. you were saying, that it's, a, it's a mix. You don't have to be so segregated. You can mix it all up. And they must have thought that people that bought this record were going to want to buy at least one of these. Yeah. I, you know, you could do worse with that lineup. No doubt. Bring us home, Paul. 
this song is not streaming. What's the cost here for Tracker? Six bucks. And with that, episode 39 is in the can. Next week, we'll feature songs by... Next week, we had a uh, really nice email by Jared Key, or Jay Key, and he suggested a few songs that were already on my list. So next week, we're going to feature a few of those and a couple of others. Next week, we'll feature songs by The Keys, The Consultants, The Furies, The Blazers, and The Reavers. Our associate producer is Bob Bloom. We have a sponsor, David Gutierrez. Thank you, David. For all you listeners out there, we'd love to hear from you. For comments, questions, and corrections, visit us on Facebook at 1000 Greatest Misses, on Twitter at 1000 underscore misses, or email us at 1000 Greatest Misses at gmail.com. Like us, share us. We appreciate your support. Until next time, ladies and gents, that's the end of the show. I met a girl with a record collection. I showered her with love and affection. She turned me on to sounds I'd never heard.